this week we're going to finish a series, X Marks the Spot. And we've been taking this journey for the last, you know, four weeks. And, and we've taken this path um, or this journey to where we're at today. You know, and, and part of it, I think, so far, you know, we've taken three different paths to get to today. The first path we took, we talked about being able to hear the voice of God. Being able to hear Jesus and by following him and knowing him as the good shepherd. You know, Jesus is our good shepherd and we should hear his voice and we should follow him. Knowing that if we hear his voice and that we follow him, that he will ultimately provide for us. He will protect us and he will give us what we need. But in order to do that, we need to be able to hear his voice in order to follow him and that we can distinguish his voice from the other voices in this world. You know, the second path we took, we talked about being united with Jesus um, or abiding in him. You know, we, we looked at Jesus as the, as the vine, us being the branch, and God was the, the vine dresser. And, and during that process, we found out that as painful as it is, we need to be pruned. There's times that we need to be pruned so that we can produce more fruit. And even though it may be painful at the time, it is for God's glory so that we will produce more fruit. And then last week, the path we went down, you know, we, we talked about what is our cause? What is the cause that we stand for? You know, in, in today's society, you know, it, it, them words are the banner that someone holds above their head. And that banner is what they believe in. And as Christ followers, what's the cause that we have? We are called to go and make disciples. So the banner or the cause that we should stand under is Christ crucified. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ, and that's what we should be standing for. And that should be our cause, to go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations. So, so those are the three different paths that we have taken along this journey and today, as we continue to look at the X on our map, you know, every treasure map has an X on it. And as we look to that X and that X on our map is Jesus, we've got to take one more step. And I think as we look at that today, we, we need to understand that, you know, if we're going to find Jesus as X on our map, we need to be like Jesus. We need to be able to be like Jesus in everything that we do. And today we're going to look at what it, kind of how Jesus lived his life. It's a very powerful scripture in, in the book of Hebrews. And, and to understand who Jesus was and so we can be like him, we do need to understand some of the things that Jesus did in order to be like him. So if you have your Bible, we're going to be in Hebrews chapter 12. Verses 1 through 15. If you don't have a Bible with you, there is one in the back of the pew. Also, just so you know, the scripture will also be up here on the screen. So, and if you're watching online today, thank you for joining us. We'll have the scripture on the screen. And, and just as a reminder for anyone watching online, don't let this replace you being connected to a local church. Um, we, we're glad you're here with us, but make sure you stay connected with the local church where you can work on your relationship with Jesus and with others. But again, thank you for being here. And if you're online, the scripture will be on the side of the screen. So with that being said, let's go ahead and read Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 15. 
It says, therefore, since we also have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us, let us lay aside every hindrance and the sin that, is so, that so easily ensnares us. Let us run with endurance the race that lies before us, keeping our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith. For the joy that lay before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself, so that you won't grow weary and give up. In struggling against sin, you have not yet resisted to the point of shedding your blood. And you have forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons. My son, do not take the Lord's discipline lightly or lose heart when you are reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and punishes every son he receives. Endure suffering as discipline. God is dealing with you as sons. For what son is there that a father does not discipline? But if you are without discipline, which all receive, then you are an illegitimate children and not sons. Furthermore, we had human fathers discipline us and we respected them. Shouldn't we submit even more to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time based on what seemed good to them, but he does it for our benefit so that we can share his holiness. No discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. Therefore, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated, but healed instead. Pursue peace with everyone in holiness. Without it, no one will see the Lord. Make sure that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no root of bitterness springs up, causing trouble and defiling many. Heavenly Father, as we read your word this morning, as we take time to dig into your word, Lord, I ask that you open up our hearts that we may receive what it is you want us to receive. Open our ears so that we may hear your voice. And Lord, may your name be glorified through it all as we make this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. So Hebrews 12 starts off with, therefore, since we have such a, a large crowd of witnesses surrounding us. And for those of you who may not know the Bible, this is actually referring back to chapter 11 of Hebrews, where we kind of have that hall of faith. You have that hall of faith of all of these people that say, by faith, by faith, by faith. They walked the walk and they ran the race just like we do. They ran that race of faith just like we're called to run it. And they're the hall of faith because these were some powerful figures. These were powerful examples of people who expressed great faith while they were here on earth. While they were here on earth, they had faith to believe in God and they were desiring something better. They were desiring something better than what they had and what they were desiring was a heavenly place. You know, so this crowd of witnesses, this crowd of um, heroes from Hebrews 11, we know they participated in the race and they lived by faith in everything that they did. They ran the race and they finished it. So therefore they should be, you know, not only are they witnesses for us, but they're examples. They're examples that we should live our life by. 
And, and as we look at them, you think about it. They had faith in God. They had faith in God. You go back and you look. Abel believed in God so much and had faith in him that he gave him the best of his animals as a sacrifice. Even Noah built an ark and they had never seen rain. But yet he was obedient because he believed God. He had faith in God and he knew that judgment was coming by a flood and he had to build a boat. And he had never built a boat, but by faith he did what he was called to do. Well, what about Abram, Isaac, and Jacob? They wandered around in the wilderness, in this land that God had promised them, never it being their own. But they had faith in God's promise. They had faith that God was going to give them this land. And you can never forget Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, all of these other heroes that are listed in Hebrews 11, that all by faith did what God called them to do. They were obedient to the call. You know, and, and understand, none of them saw the fulfillment of God's plan. None of them saw the fulfillment of God's plan, but they lived by faith. They had enough faith to believe in the promises of God. That's an example that we should live by. That's an example that we should look at in our lives of how can I have the faith that they had? And we've seen part of the promises. We know about the Messiah. We know Jesus came to this earth, died on a cross, and rose again for the forgiveness of our sins. They didn't know that. They were looking for that promise, but they continued to live it out by faith. So they definitely had a strong faith. And, and the point you really think about this, this crowd of witnesses that we have that surrounds us, you know, these are witnesses that believe God and they stood fast for God. Shouldn't we do the same thing? Shouldn't we stand fast? And as great as this group of witnesses are, you know, their great faith of endurance, it should stir us to, to do more because they never buckled. You think about it, they also, they, they lay, they, it says, lay aside every weight of sin which clings closely. You know, they, they kept their eyes fixed on God. They kept their eyes fixed on the promises of God. And they were able to lay aside the sin. They were able to lay aside whatever it was that was chasing them. When's the last time we lay, lay aside, laid aside the sin? Now, some of you may say, I do it every day. Awesome. But I know there's some of you sitting in here going, well, I try and lay it aside every day. But you see, it also says every weight. It says the weight to the sin. So, so that, that weight that we feel upon us, when we see that sin, and we know what that sin is. Satan knows every sin that we're going to fall for. Thank God we get forgiveness for it, but we have the weight of that sin on top of us. We feel the pressures of this world around us each and every day. Because you just turn on the TV and the weight to sin is all over the TV. You open up a magazine, you drive down the street, the weight of sin, the weight for us to actually have sin in our life is around us all the time. But we need to be able to lay aside that weight. And we need to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. Jesus is the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. Think about that. He is the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. 
And as great as that hall of faith is, those men and women in chapter 11 of Hebrews, Jesus ran the same race. He did it perfectly. He did it sinlessly. And that's how we should try and live our lives. You know, as great an example as they are, Jesus is the supreme example of faith. He came to this world as a man, felt the weight and the pressures of sin just like we did, and remained sinless. Was obedient to the Father to go to the cross and die for our sins. That's faith. That's the kind of faith we should have. We should have that same kind of faith in everything that we do. You know, and we need to look for Jesus to that example. In order to, to look to him, we need to keep our eyes focused on him. We need to keep our mind focused on him. If our mind is focused on what God's word says and, and on the life that Jesus calls us to live, that's going to help us alleviate that weight of that sin. By keeping our eyes fixed on him, we're not going to fix our eyes on that sin, that lust, or whatever it may be in our lives, because we're going to be looking to what Jesus calls us to do, opening his word, digging deep into his word. That's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to be each day. You know, and, and you think about this, we are all running this race. Now, granted, we're not out there, out there physically running this race, you know, with our with our running shoes on and shorts like we're running a marathon? Because I'm here to tell you, I'd fail that race. I wouldn't make it too far. I might make it the first mile. After that, I'm done. <laughs> you know, it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. But we need to run this race each day. Each and every day, we need to run this race. Jesus ran this race and he was sinless in everything that he did. You think about it, the, the battles that we're going to have, Jesus battled. Jesus, on this earth, went through what we go through. Every sin that's unimaginable, he beat. We have the same battles ahead of us, and we know we can look to Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith. And what an example to look to. He knows our battle. He knows the hardship we're going to go through. And, and as, a, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, you know, we're supposed to be joyful in what we do. And sometimes it's hard to be joyful because of what we see in this world. But we need to continue to keep our eyes focused on Jesus. Even when we feel like we're being attacked from all sides. And there are days them attacks just seem like they're coming at us from all sides. We need to keep our eyes focused on Jesus to know that we can get through these attacks and continue to move on. We know Jesus endured it. We can endure it also. Now, one of the things I don't want you to get from this passage because it, it talks about enduring sin and, and, you know, this didn't come, this passage isn't saying that all evil and suffering comes from God. You know, and there are people who will take this passage and say, well, right there, it says all evil and suffering comes from God. No, it doesn't. There are people in this world, there are evil people in this world who have the free will to disobey God's will. Each one of us has the free will to disobey God's will, and everyone in here can be that evil person. So it doesn't come from God. 
It's a choice that gets made. And we have that same choice of either taking it or not. And, and you think about it, this church is talking about the evil in the world, and it's talking to the church of the Hebrews. This is a letter to the church of the Hebrews. So it's talking to them because this church was facing a lot of pressure. They were facing a lot of pressure from the world because they were being faithful to the gospel of Jesus Christ. So they were getting all this pressure. And you think about it, this passage could be very true to us today. How much pressure do we get from the world? How much pressure do we get as Christians or even the church today get from the world because of what the world wants and the evil in the world and the sin in the world and what, what we say is wrong, they say is right, and what they say is right, we say is wrong? Yeah. And, and it's crazy when you look at what the world says is good compared to what God's word said is good. There's a big difference between the two. And, and unfortunately for us today, you know, we could do the same thing. We could slip back like this church of the Hebrews did. We could give in or cave in. You've got a lot of churches out there today that are caving into what the world calls them to do. Whether it's through the worship you see up on the stage, whether it's through different programs they have, whatever it is, they are leaning towards what the world says is right instead of what God's word says is right. You know, Let's, be, let's bring the world into the church so we can get people to come into the church. But we're not called to bring the world into the church. We're called to take the church into the world and change the world. Because when it's the opposite, when the world comes in here, it's going to change what goes on in here. All of a sudden, there's certain scripture you're not going to preach because someone's going to get upset. Someone's going to get, well, I know it says preach all the word. So I'm going to preach all the word, whether someone likes it or not likes it, because it's God's word and that's what we're called to do. But unfortunately, too many people cave to what the world calls for. And we need to be obedient to what God calls us to do. Understand, and Jesus knows this battle. Um, and the writer of Hebrews even tells us, here it says, strengthen your tired hands and weakened knees and make straight paths for your feet so that what is lame may not be dislocated but healed instead. You see, we're not healed when we're sitting on the sideline. You don't get healed sitting on the sideline. You get healed by jumping into the race. You've got to make strong and make straight paths. So it means you need to continue to move and go forward. Because no one's going to get healed when they're just sitting and not moving and doing nothing. You think about it, there's a lot of people who, you know, unfortunately we've seen it in our own lives, when a person gets bedridden or they just decide they're not going to move anymore and you see them just deteriorate. You see the body just start to give up. It's the same thing inside the race, our Christian walk. If we just sit on the sideline, Eventually, we're going to deteriorate, and we're going to disappear. We're going to fall ill, and we're not going to be in the race. We get healed by getting up and moving. We should get joy by getting up and moving and doing what God called us to do. We don't sit on the sidelines. You're not too old. You don't sit on the sidelines. You get healed by getting in the game. You got to get in the game. And the things we go through now, they're just trials. That's it. It's just a trial. The text even says that we can endure the discipline of God. 
We can endure it because it is just discipline. Think about a few weeks ago. It kind of goes back to that. I, I talked about the discipline of God is nothing more than us being pruned. The discipline of God is nothing more than us being pruned. You know, and, and the scripture tells us that, that that discipline is nothing more than us getting saturated in God's word. Because if we get saturated in God's word and we know what God's word says, we're going to be disciplined by what we're reading. But then we can endure through that discipline and become a stronger person on the outside. We can be healed when we're moving and we're inside the race. If you're sitting on the sideline, you're not reading God's word, you're not getting involved, you're not doing anything, how are you going to get healed? How are you going to be disciplined if you're not using what God calls and uses for disciplining us? God uses his word to discipline each believer because it is the living, breathing word of God. Living, breathing word of God, and that's what he uses to discipline each of us. Verse 11 says this, no discipline seems enjoyable at the time, but painful. Later on, however, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. So we should be encouraged by the discipline of God. When we're being disciplined by God, we should be encouraged by it. You know, Hebrews 12, 7 says it, his disciples, uh, his discipline is proof that we are his children. His discipline is proof that we're his children. If we're not his children, is he going to discipline us? No. So if you're not getting disciplined by God at some point, start asking that question. Am I really his child? Am I really his child? It's one of them things we really need to look at. You know, God disciplines us for our own good. He disciplines us for our own good that we may share in his holiness. Think about that, that we can share in his holiness. We can never be holy, but we can share in his holiness. You know, and, and, and we're able to embrace God's discipline. When we're able to embrace it, we're able to get that healing. And unlike punishment, and that punishment was paid by for, was paid for by Jesus on the cross, discipline is meant for our growth. It's meant for us to grow and meant for us to move. And, and God's discipline helps us bear more and more fruit as disciples of his. So we got to look to that. And, you know, when we become imitators of Christ, um, we want to be more like Christ. So if we're going to be imitators of Christ, then we got to take that discipline. we got to take what God's word calls us to do. And understand, if Jesus is the X on your, on your map, the road to Jesus is not easily filled. We know there's hills and valleys. There's twists and turns. It's not easy, but we still need to keep our eyes fixed on him. And think about this. Matthew 7, 13 and 14 say this. Enter through the narrow gate, for the gate is wide and the road broad that leads to destruction. And there are many who go through it. How narrow is the gate and difficult the road that leads to life, and few find it. Our road, our journey that we've taken over these past weeks is the road that leads us to follow Jesus. It's the road that leads us to abide in Jesus. It's the road that leads us to that cause that Jesus calls us to be. 
It's that road that leads us to be like Jesus. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus, followers of Jesus, as a disciple, we're called to make disciples. That's what we're called to do. Make disciples. And I know it's, this road is filled with countless people cheering us on. People of faith who continue to cheer us on each and every day. Each one of us know people who were strong in their faith, who ran the race for Jesus. They're not here now, but we know they're on our side. They're part of that cloud of witnesses that are for us. One day I want to be part of that cloud of witnesses for other believers, knowing that I ran the race. I didn't sit on the sideline. I did what he was called me to do. And the legacy that I left was my faith. The faith that I had in Jesus. And that people would be able to say, you know what? I remember Ken's faith. I remember what he did for Jesus. I don't want to be remembered for anything other than what I did for Jesus. Because nothing else matters. Nothing else in this world matters of anything else I've done unless it's for him. The rest is all chafe. It's left on the threshing floor, blown away. It's absolutely nothing if it's not done for him. And that's what we have to do. Hebrews 12, 15 says, See to it that no one fails to obtain the grace of God. It might seem kind of funny. It's God's grace. How can I see to it? that no one misses it. Well, through Jesus Christ, we're able to give God's grace to other people. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. That no one misses it. How many people have missed the grace of God because of the way we were? Have we had people miss the grace of God maybe because we were about our own selfishness? We were about ourselves and not about Jesus. We were about what we wanted and, and instead of what he wanted. How many times has someone missed the grace of God because maybe we had a temper? How many times did someone miss the grace of God because of some hurt, hang-up, or habit in our life? See to it that no one misses the grace of God. See to it that no one misses the grace of God. That's a hard thing to do. But it is part of the race that we live each and every day as a follower of Jesus Christ. It's our mission to make disciples. And part of our job is to urge other believers to stay the course and grow in their faith. Instead of pointing fingers at someone, we should come alongside any brother or sister that we see is falling or maybe slipping to the side, lock arms with them, show them that grace of God and continue to move forward. Urge them to get back in the race, get off the sideline and get back into the race. Do what we're called to do. That's what we're called. That's what we're supposed to do. You know, it's interesting. Jesus had a if you think about his ministry, it was kind of a pay it forward ministry. You know, you're like, pay it forward, pastor. I'm not sure what pay it forward is. It's when you're in line at Chick-fil-A and you pay for the person behind you. You know, you're paying it forward. Hey, 
I don't know who it is, but I want to pay. Here, here's an extra 20. As many meals as come up for $20, just keep paying it forward. And then a lot of times what happens is you pay it forward. Well, then the next person, well, I was going to pay mine. So here, let me pay the person behind me. And it continues to pay it forward. And it's like this multiplication that keeps going and growing and growing. That's kind of what Jesus' ministry was like. And everyone who came into contact with Jesus to become a follower basically did the same thing. They were called to multiply. And it's, it's part of everyone who signed up from the very beginning. Multiplication of what Jesus did was part of what they did. And it's the same thing we should do today. And no one was excluded from the task. No one was excluded from doing it. Everyone had to do it. And the thing about this, if you do what Jesus did, you'll replace maybe your occasional or your sporadic but well-intentioned efforts um, with this confidence, with this godfidence to do what he calls you to do. And, and as, you, as you come forward, you know, a lot of us kind of like, well, the pastor told me I got to do this, so I'm gonna, I'll just leave this invite card. And you won't say nothing. And God forbid you leave that invite card and you only left like a $2 tip on a $20 meal because they're not going to come, <laughs> okay? But taking that confidence and moving forward, saying, you know what, I'm really not used to doing this, but I'm going to be bold. I'm going to see to it that no one misses the grace of God. And I'm going to do what God called me to do and have confidence to win this race and I'm going to talk to this person about Jesus. What a difference it'll make in your world. It'll make a difference in your world. And as you're out there trying to transform other lives, you might find out it transforms your own. You might get your own life transformed as you're trying to help transform other lives. Because as you're going through this process of being like Jesus, it should transform your life. Because if you're trying to be like him, your life needs to change to be like him. You can't just say, I'm going to be like Jesus and not change and keep doing what you've always done. It takes change. It's something you have to do. A few questions for you to think about this morning. Would you consider yourself to be a true disciple today? Are you a true disciple? Now think about it. A disciple makes disciples. Are you a true disciple today? Are you listening for and are you hearing the voice of Jesus? Are you listening for and hearing the voice of Jesus? Are you truly abiding in Jesus, remaining in him, and being pruned by his word? Think about it. Are you standing for the cause that has been given to you? Are you literally standing for that cause? And are you being like Jesus in your life? And would other people agree with your answers? Something to think about. See, these are life-altering questions. These are life-altering questions, but these are the questions that we need to ask. If we're going to be disciples of Jesus, we need to do what he calls us to do. And these are the questions that we should be able to say, yes, 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 I am, yes, yes, yes. And other people go, yes, 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 they are. If we're doing what he called us to do, if we're being like Jesus and we're making disciples and we're multiplying everything that he did, people should see it. 
And there should be no doubt when you go to answer that question, yes. And if you sat in here today and you're like, well, I used to be, woulda, coulda, shoulda kill you every time. You got to be in the race to be healed. You can't sit on the sideline. And ultimately, you think about this, this church will be nothing more than a social group if we don't start making disciples. And all it'll do is eventually die. The church will eventually die if you're not making disciples and not doing what Jesus called you to do. Because if you're not making disciples, you're not bringing in anyone new. And if you're not bringing in anyone new, what's going to happen? We're all going to get old and we're going to die off. So we've got to make disciples who then make disciples, who then make disciples, and we continue to go forward. That's what this church was planted for back in, what, 1964, 63? 1963, before I was born. Before some of y'all were born. I can say that now, before some of y'all were born. (laughs) It was built to make disciples, to reach the town of Lantana with the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what we need to continue to do. That's what we need to do. We're called to make disciples and everything else doesn't matter, but to make disciples. So I want to challenge you today. If you're sitting here today when we get to the end of this service, if if you're not really in the race, you're sitting on the sideline instead of being in the race, I want you to come to the altar. If you can truly say, you know what, I'm really not a disciple of Jesus Christ, come to the altar. If there's something in your life that's keeping you from hearing the voice of Jesus, from abiding in Jesus, living for the cause that Jesus called you to be, or just simply something causing you in your life that you can't be like Jesus, bring it to the altar. Maybe that fire or that zeal that you had once is gone. Bring it to the altar. Ask for the power of the Holy Spirit to refill you the day that you accepted Jesus Christ. Come back up and get that zeal back. And maybe trials and sufferings in your life are just so bad that you just got to give it to God. You don't have to leave here today the same way that you came in. You don't have to leave here today the same way you came in. You can truly give it back to God. Yes, I'm going to ask you, come to the altar. And quite honestly, I know there's going to be people who won't. There'll be people who will never come to this altar. And they unfortunately won't come to this altar because of pride. Or maybe their ego. Just so you know, ego is an acronym for edging God out. But you see, some people won't come up here because they think people will think less of them. Oh, I can't go up there. They're going to think I'm less of a Christian than I really am. I can't come to that altar. And so I honestly believe there will be people who will never come to this altar. But I want to tell you, there is nothing more that shows your love and your devotion to Jesus Christ than coming and laying on your knees and your hands and bowing to him. 
bowing to him. He is the king of kings, Lord of lords in your life. That is what we're called to do. That's okay. I know some of you will never do it. You'll have to answer for that someday, not me. And someone in here may be saying, well, I don't know Jesus is my personal Lord and Savior. Well, we can lock that down today too. None of us are perfect. As much as I stand up here and I may say, you know, this is what God's word says, I still fail. I still fail. Every one of us are sinners and every one of us falls short of the glory of God. And if you say you're not a sinner, then you really need to come up to the altar because you're lying in church. Because all of us have some type of sin. But yet God's word says that if we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. Amen. So if you haven't accepted Jesus, you can come up here today and we'll lock it down. We'll say a prayer of salvation and welcome you to the family. This messed up, jacked up family. Because we are, we're messed up and we're jacked up. Just ask the person next to you, they'll tell you, dude, I'm messed up. Because we all are. But we're all in the race and we're all in that race to be like Jesus. And may we truly be like him. May we come to the altar and give it back to him. Get back in the race and do what he's called us to do. Be like Jesus. Abide in Jesus. Hear his voice. Do what he called us to do. Have that banner above us. What is our cause? Our cause is to make disciples. And if we're not making disciples, we are not disciples. Heavenly Father, I raise this congregation to you, Lord. Lord, I just ask that you touch your hearts, Lord, and that they will truly come to know you. That they will hear your voice, they will abide in you, and they will produce fruit for you. And Lord, that they will lay aside pride and ego or selfishness and become humble and loving and caring and see to it that no one misses your grace. And understand that we received your grace and it's our job to pass it on to others. And Lord, may we be disciples who make disciples. May you raise this church up to be disciple makers that we can affect change in your kingdom, that we can expand your kingdom in the town of Lantana, that we can then go beyond Lantana into Palm, the rest of Palm Beach and beyond, Lord, and that we will seek to glorify you in everything that we do. And Lord, I love you. We honor you. We seek to praise and glorify your name in everything we do. And Lord, I ask that you make them move. In Jesus' name, amen.